0: Welcome to CFRC 101.9 FM and Cellar Door Project's Shortwave Theatre Festival Talkback series with your host, Mariah Horner, the Shortwave Festival Director. In this fun, informative series, you'll have the opportunity to follow Mariah as she gets the scoop on the -the behind-the-scenes process of making radio theatre with the artists that have made each Shortwave Theatre Festival play possible. Thank you for joining us today, and don't forget to visit shortwavetheatre.com to learn more about our amazing plays and artists, and stay locked into 101.9 FM for the next performance happening all week long. So,
1: hello to those listening. My name is Jill Glatt. I am a theatre enthusiast and arts participant in Kingston, and I'm here today with the cast and producers and you know, dramaturgs and leads of the fantastic live um, radio theater play, Talk To Me. So I um, am here today with Mariah Horner, who is the actor and producing lead. And she's an actor, director as well, producer and dramaturg based in Kingston. Uh, also, Sean Meldrum is here with us today. Uh, Sean is the playwright and actor of, uh, of Talk To Me and he's also a Canadian theatre artist, filmmaker, musician additionally. And finally, Wallace Caldoza is the dramaturg and performance lead of Talk To Me and is a dramaturg and artist researcher pursuing her PhD in the social justice education department at OISE, I think people say OISE, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, at the University of Toronto. So hello everyone, thank you for joining me. Um, my first question is, can you tell us, the listeners a little bit more about yourselves as people? Who are you lovely folks? Uh, let's start with Wallace.
2: <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> that's a hard one. Hi, thank you for, thank <laughs> for making space for this. Um, yes, I'm not sure how much else I can add. That was pretty much it. I think and oise's right so yeah i'm just i'm very grateful to be a dramaturg on this process um thinking a lot about oh it's difficult to say anything about myself um yeah i just like making work with people who do things that make people feel good i suppose is is the best way i'll put it right now and um a lot of my dramaturgical process is informed by um works of radical black scholars and um Indigenous Mm -hmm. uh, sovereignty justice scholarship as well um that's big things to say um and a lot to live up to and a lot to do work for and with um but that's kind of me in a nutshell at the moment I think I'm currently on that wave of of not having a particularly structured identity (laughs) which sounds so pretentious. I think sometimes that's
1: the best way of of identifying is not particularly structured. A little bit of everything, maybe.
2: Possibly, and I think I'm really made up of all the beautiful people like Sean and Mo and you yourself, Jill, as well, who um, who make me make me able to be who I am. So thank you for that, really.
1: Thank you. That's a great response. Can I hear from Sean as well? Is there anything else that you want to add about what you do? You know who you are that I mi- that I missed in my introduction.
0: Uh, no, your your introduction was great and uh, definitely appreciate your time uh, here tonight. I guess I'll just add, I, I just graduated from uh, a graduate program in audio engineering or sound design and production. Uh, and uh, so that's been a really awesome new uh, set of skills to be moving through the world with and uh, to be uh, creating with. And uh, there's something about sound that uh works so much on the mm-hmm. the cerebral part of the brain and uh it's all trickery and lies and it's all about what you can get away with and so it's been uh, quite a delightful uh path to to discover and uh, as you mentioned i play a bit of music so it's been a, a very you know uh, uh, it's been a lot of faces to names in terms of co- musical mm-hmm. concepts and uh acoustic concepts and yeah everything ties back to uh you know, just vibrations in the air. And so it's all physics at a certain point. And yeah, I've just been having a blast with it.
1: That sounds wonderful. Vibrations in the air is a, a good way to think about what you guys are getting up to. Uh, thank you so much, Sean. And Mariah, <laughs> yeah. is there anything that you want to add as well? Um, you know, maybe maybe what, what you're feeling currently or, you know, who you've been identifying as recently?
3: Yes, I mean... I love Wallace. Thank you for that offer of like. I'm only like for me personally. I feel like I'm only my work is only as interesting as all the interesting people that I get to work with. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I currently am also a PhD student uh, at Queens and cultural studies. And you know, when the when the pandemic hit, I was working full time as a freelance theater artist and a bartender, and both those things came to a screeching halt. So. <laughs> I uh, shifted and started doing my PhD because I, you know, have the privilege to do so. And um, so I've been thinking a lot about um, non-hierarchical ways of making theater. I've been thinking a lot about abolition. I'm really interested in, uh, I'm, you know, hoping to to think through dramaturgies of abolition. And then otherwise I'm just like a big time lover of, of Kingston. You know, I have, I've been a, a Artist in Kingston for almost ten whole years now, and can't get rid of me yet. <laughs> um, but I think that, like Wallace said, I feel super grateful to to you, Jill, and to the to the platform that is Shortwave, and um, you know, an excuse to, like Wallace said, make work with people who make work that makes them feel good. So I feel like I'm in good company.
1: I think that you guys are all you know seemingly very well suited for for each other in this project. Um, and I guess my next question is, how did you end up all working together and coming together to create Talk To Me? Um, would maybe Wallace like to speak uh, speak to this
2: first? She would, but <laughs> she was not really. I don't think I was at the um, the initial point of Genesis. So, in fact, I will. Uh, pass ah. this along to, yes, I wish. I wish I'd come up with this, you see, Jill, but I am not. <laughs> I was not thinking ahead of pandemic. <laughs> so I don't not take Sean. credit. I cannot, so I don't know if Sean or Mo, um, either of you want to field kind of Genesis questions? It starts with Mo. Yeah, so this project was born out
3: of, um, there's an amazing theatre and arts uh, organization in Kingston called FOLDA, or Spider Web Show, and FOLDA stands for Mm -hmm. Festival of Live Digital Art. And it's run by, like I said, an organization called Spiderweb Show, and they're relatively new to Kingston. And they've only been around, I think this would be their third year. And I've worked with them for quite a few years. And maybe last year or so, they said to me like, hey, you want to put a show in this festival? You know, you're a Kingston theatre maker. They wanted some more Kingston content. Um, And it was really interesting for me because I'm not necessarily uh, the kind of work that I like to make isn't always digital. So Sean and I have known each other and have worked together for almost 10 years. Sean was a part of the original cellar door crew when we were at Queens still making this work. And, you know, I, I was like, ah, crap, I don't know what kind of work to make. And luckily enough, I I messaged Sean about kind of dreaming up a piece that could fit into this digital arts festival. Uh, And then the pandemic hit. So Sean, maybe you want to complicate my Genesis story and continue the story.
0: Well, it's it's funny. We had a we the we had a whole show uh, originally. Um, Folda was going to happen over. I, I don't know how many days it was going to take place over, but it was all it was like a conventional uh, sort of festival where we were kind of planning a a roaming show. Um, you know, things didn't have to be socially distanced or anything at the time. So oh. I had actually i eventually mo and i do this great thing when we begin to work on a project together where we just kind of get together and have some drinks and just uh you know gossip and talk about what's going on in our own lives as uh, to see if we can you know uncover anything that would make for compelling uh stories Mm -hmm. and uh we had this whole concept about a walking show that centered around staying or going uh and i i ended up getting like 10 pages uh, uh, into that whole script before the, the pandemic actually hit. And then it just became a matter of, uh, of adaptation at that point and, and trying to okay. figure out the hand that we'd been dealt so we could figure out how to play it.
3: And then at that pivotal moment, Sean said, so all three of us went to Queens. Uh, Sean and I were oh, in the same I... year and Wallace was uh, is a year a year before after us, right?
2: I'm not sure. Maybe one or two. I don't know. Maybe I don't
3: two. know. <laughs> two. years. Might two. So I, I had never personally worked with Wallace before. And when Sean and I dove back into this process, Sean was like, I've been working with this remarkable dramaturge. And do you think maybe that Wallace can be invited into this project? And I was like, Oh my God, the Wallace. Hopefully she <laughs> says yes. Um, And then I feel like all of this process of adaptation, like I can't say I'm a dramaturge too, but I like Wallace could, could, School, uh, that thought. Oh, please! All this process of adapting. <laughs> They're that both Shawn, great.
0: They're great dom- dramataries. Both. But all them. this
3: process that Sean, you know, was just talking about about adaptation, like Wallace really was. A guiding light, I think, for that, and you know, I'm not sure that we would have really been able to like flip this piece on its head, upside down, up like up right side up, over and over again, um, without this like beacon of of thoughtfulness that came from Wallace's practices, dramaturge. So then Wallace entered the picture, and the West was history. <laughs> <laughs> we also dubbed the baby yes. voice too. <laughs> it's, it's, so it's nostalgic, isn't it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> i you seem you all seem to have a great a great rapport between yourselves and i'm, I'm also intrigued by um i think sean had mentioned or maybe it was mo it could have been both um sort of how this came about talk to me from personal experiences perhaps or or ideas or things like that how how did you how did you settle on the kind of topics that will be covered in Talk To Me. Did it come from popular culture or stories from friends or mostly I, personal experiences?
0: I got to throw it to Wallace because was we were talking about things that we could do. And it was Wallace who was like, we got to think about the situation. We don't, she didn't say we got it, but she offered, what if we thought about this whole situation that we're in, in terms, because we wanted to react somehow to what was happening in the world. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel right to ignore it. But Wallace was the first one to go. Uh, what about, we? Th- what, what's like the best thing that could ever come out of this? And that's what brought mm-hmm. us to the and to so Wallace, go off. Wallace, go off? <laughs> yeah, yay, 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 yay.
2: Um, I mean, what I can add, very little is, um, yeah I suppose so I mean like at the in March uh, how little we knew back then with uh, with hindsight now but um right yeah it was I mean to be fair to be fair COVID coming around wasn't isn't the first pandemic right like that's not it, it just happened to mm-hmm. be that that virus I mean look at look at where we are now there's still you know anti-black sentiment and racism is, sure, is, is sure. Been a pandemic for hundreds of years um, and, and whatnot so what I've what I've Learn, and that is an example, um, but you know, what has been shared with me and what I've been offered and I think I have the ability to listen to now is, um, you know, that through line from, from uh, I guess the legacy of scholarship I get to be a part of, maybe, I don't know, and friends and family um, is that clinging to some kind of radical hope and honesty as my, uh, my friend AJ calls it, um, which is, you know, like what, what am I saying? I guess it's that through line, right? What's the best that can happen? Like, what's the best that we can do with this? Um, okay, and I, that sounds positive, but it's not. It doesn't have to be positive if that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's so the, it's, so a, it's a response.
0: It's, I was just going to say, and that's what led us into okay. setting a, a love story uh, without bodies, but mm. a love story of people uh, apart, almost.
1: Okay, so so working from this, this sort of you know personal you know or ethical response to things going on and in in present day and your interpretation of that as a as a love story of sorts um, would you say then that the the experience that you're trying to create for listeners is it more is it more poignant or critical or kind of comedic in a in a satirical sort of way what are you hoping uh you can create
3: Mm a good one, Jill. I mean, yeah, big
1: questions.
3: Part of why I think, you know, Wallace said this at the top of the call. And I think Wallace, we we also just talked about it is not everything has to be, um, a good or rosy perspective, but this plays about sex and it's about intimacy mm-hmm. and it's about love and relationships, but it's also about sex. And sex mm-hmm. is a really, I think, interesting spot for us to sit in in this moment because, you know, there's lots of politics around sex and how it can be damaging and harmful and scary and traumatic. Um, sure. But also there's a kind of a pleasure in in exploring. And I think that, you know, the, the choice to make this like a sex play in the middle of the pandemic <laughs> Um, you know, I never, ever want to like, think about the work I'm making as like a distraction from the world. I think that's really, I think it's really dangerous sometimes when, when theater artists are like, just come see this, it'll make you feel better because, you know, theater has a real responsibility um, or can have a real responsibility to respond and imagine new futures, um, but the thing that this play is kind of couched in is like sex and getting sexy and getting intimate. <laughs> so I think sometimes these like bigger questions of you know, shaping the world we want to be uh in front of us, uh, it's maybe a little bit uh, hotter or more pleasurable um inside of this lens. Does that make mm-hmm. any sense to you guys? Well, it I sure think. does
0: absolutely i i I mean we had a conversation at one point that was we all wanted to uh with this play i i can't remember who said it but it was it was around scratching people's itches that they might have at the moment and uh two things that we thought would be a commodity at the time when we were conceptualizing things was closeness and intimacy and and yeah and sex and um and so we like that it is said in 2019 very deliberately Um, uh, We in the June version, it was set in June 2019, and this this version set in November 2019. And we just wanted, yeah, we I I I don't know if escape is the right word, but we wanted to just um, we wanted to supply the things that we thought would be in short supply.
2: Okay. Mm -hmm. And if I like, if I can jump in slightly too, it's it's interesting. I mean, like, (laughs) it's interesting looking at, at. at uh, the work that's being generated now that's very um, autobiographical or autoethnographical oh, I don't know, autoethnographical that's based on autoethnography or <laughs> or um, I would I would venture to like try and say counter storytelling, but I don't think that really applies to to this particular piece. But but these um, these narratives that we're seeing I mean Fleabag is a great example of that. Macaya um, Micha- Cole's work is amazing. Um, I'm thinking of television now, um, but we've seen it in theater and, and all different types of mediums where people are starting to uh, starting to ask the questions of, like Is is this close enough to real life? Like is this a real life story or or you know it, it's an interesting um, it's an interesting study, and this is where I think the critical part comes in to an extent, is is getting to have these opportunities to put, quote unquote, and I'm putting quotation marks very hard around real life on stage, per se. Um, and in this case, it's in a different stage <laughs> uh, setting, if you will. So there's something in there, too, I think, about just um, it's interesting as an art, uh, like if you're looking at the archive of, of work that's being done by people around our age about the contemporary context, um, specific parts of the contemporary context albeit, um, but it's interesting to see those questions kind of being, uh, del- as most said, delivered, delivered, offered to the audience within a framework that is talking about um, bodies and intimacy and, and proximity and closeness, especially in a time when that is something that is now no longer allowed <laughs> And permissible. Yes. <laughs> which is funny because I'm saying well, I'm saying no longer, but it's always you know what I mean? There's always been rules around permissibility of, of right. intimacy and, and touch. Mm-hmm. So it's it's fun. It's it's fun to to mess around with <laughs> those frameworks. But
1: I really like what you what you mentioned about the the, the intimacy that you're hoping to create within the show and you know, by extension perhaps with the audience. And is that the kind of leads into my next question? Is that one of the reasons why you've decided to make Talk To Me a live show? Because it's it's the only live show of the festival. What was your reasoning behind this?
3: And I'm a pain in the butt. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think, you know, when we did the show in, in June, um, digital art often, there's a lot of arguments that are lobbed against digital theater for not being theater. And if you can pick up the Globe and Mail, there's a lot of grumpy white dudes all around this country that feel irrelevant all of a sudden. And they're like, well, this weird computer theater is not theater because you're not sweating in the same room together. And I'm like, well. <laughs> so I think that part of the liveness of this experiment is like, no, no, for me, like, I, like Wallace, I put theater in quotation marks, like really one of the only ingredients for me that says like, live theater is liveness. Um, and I think besides this fact that like, for me, I really wanted to, to do that. I think it's also talk about scratching itches, right, Melly? Like a part of why I love doing this show is because I feel the same way I felt when I was doing live performance where there's risk. It might fail. The call might drop. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, our callers like Sean is in Nova Scotia. I'm in Kingston. Wallace is in Lindsay. We have a, one of our callers is on the West coast in BC. There's, you know, oh wow we're really spread out. So there's a lot of risk here. And I mean, part of that risk and the potential of failure is what makes theater theater to me. Um, So like it's, it's scratching my itch. That's for sure.
0: I I think we just (laughs) wanted it. we, we, it's live because we wanted an excuse to hang out and rehearse (laughs) and, and, and uh, I'm most totally right about it. um, You know, simulating that rehearsal room again. And it, I mean, for me, it's been a, unspeakable comfort and, 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 absolute pleasure.
1: Would you like to add to that Wallace? Was there, was there something that you, that you appreciate a lot about the live aspect of, of talk to me, or is there a reason why you know, it's, it's important for you?
2: Um, the short answer is yes. <laughs> the bigger <laughs> answer is one that I will have to get back to you on fully. Cause I will have to think about it more, but I mean, the only thing I can offer is that it's, it's a different kind of demand liveness. Um, it's a different kind of contract that you enter into. And I, I mean, this is speaking really to, to Mo's point about the risk of it. Um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a tricky question because I, I think my brain is immediately going to like, well, what's the opposite of live? Like, right? Like, you know, like dead, like dead, pre-done. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the I don't know what the <laughs> antithesis to liveness is besides like pre-recorded or whatnot. But I mean, for me, it's fun. It's kind of fun to put out the word death in there too. You know what I mean? Like, what's dead theater look like? Is that <laughs> is that the opposite to live? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Ooh. Um, but it's, it but it's an interesting you know liveness too there's like a there's a bit of a privileging of of time and it you know it really throws into question how we how we determine what again what theater quote-unquote is and 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 what good theater is is it live theater you know what I mean like it's it's just an interesting um it's interesting I think the immediacy and, and being online with zoom and and all of this the live element of it is such a I don't know. I mean, like, how do you separate time and space and how do you do live and not, you know, it's a great question. I'm sorry. I don't have a concise answer. That's concise.
1: <laughs> I think that that, so concise. I think that your
2: thoughts were great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys are nailing it. Whatever, whatever your interpretations of it are in my books, you're, you're killing it, um, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> so another thing that, um, a little bit off of off of this this train of thought, but something that was super interesting to me um, when Mariah was first talking to me about Talk to Me was the ASL interpret interpretation of it. Um, so it's available, it's it's starring Ebony Gooden and, and Landon Krentz, and it features Chris Dodd and Catherine Joel McKinnon, Matthew Kuntz, and Natasha Bacchus. Um, and it's it's ASL theater, and it's it's something that I s I haven't seen. Um, you know, in, in my privilege as a as a person with sight, I I haven't come across it. So, what sparked this expansion and interpretation of the play? Um, does Mariah maybe want to start off with this?
3: Yeah, sure. So, when we were working with the good folks at Folda, um, one of the best things about Folda is that they are a festival that has a designated um, access budget. So, um, you know, I still think there's lots of work that we can do, but one of the things that's always been awesome about working with Folda is this question of access. It comes right at the beginning. It comes when you start rehearsals and when they start talking to artists. It's not, it doesn't happen after, right? It's not like the the two weeks before, we're like, oh crap, we need closed captioning. One of the cool things about Folda Mm -hmm. is they really make space and put money towards that process. Um, so when we started doing the show this summer, uh, in Fulda, we realized, you know, this is actually quite an accessible show for folks who are either blind or have low vision, right? Cause it's all audio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the amazing access, uh, director at Fulda, his name's Clayton Baraniak, um, brought us, you know, we had a meeting with him and he said, you know, what would you folks think if we had an entirely, um, an entirely, state or a video version in ASL uh, alongside the show. And the the important thing is here is that it wasn't a translation. It wasn't like we did the show and there was um, a, a person who was signing along basically we had like Sean generously, we handed the script over to a collective of deaf artists. Um, Sage Mm -hmm. Lavelle was the the directing lead, an amazing artist based, um, has a a company called Deaf Spectrum, if you ever want to look into some resources, but Sage directed a fully, it was a totally different version. It was like 10 minutes Mm -hmm. longer. And you know, it it didn't have, it's like, there's no audio in it at all. It's only ASL. different storytelling different actors different play and I think that this was a really uh, meaningful process for me as an artist because it meant you know like it's not the job of hearing folks to say what deaf folks need and I think kind of the best part about this show is these amazing deaf actors were like now we love this play can we just do our own version is that cool with you guys and we're like
0: (laughs) yeah see you there
3: So (laughs) that's kind of where it started Um, and it's been really awesome because we connected with all these artists later in the summer and they've given us permission to replay their version from this summer. So um, tonight while you're listening to Talk To Me, you can also visit the Cellar Door Project Facebook page and watch this ASL interpreted version, which is super hot, extremely hilarious and was like such a pleasure to collaborate with these artists.
1: That's fantastic. Uh, did you want to add anything to this experience, Sean or, or Wallace?
0: Sean? They were, uh, I'll just echo everything that Mo mm-hmm. said. They were just such lovely people. It was such a, distinct pleasure to get to meet all of them and to watch their work and um we were lucky enough to be able to sit in on a rehearsal and we just all just kind of sat there like slack jawed I remember just going like (laughs) what is this this sexiness before our eyes um yeah it was it, it was just really cool to even uh you know share a share a play with them uh and and yeah it was awesome Wallace
2: Oh, I don't think I have much more to add. I just think it's um, you know, another another <laughs> not even another reminder, but just like another kick in the kick in the pants. It's like you you mm-hmm. if you know theater, whatever that means, it, like Mo said, it, it's never accessibility like as an afterthought um, <laughs> makes no sense. It makes no sense you have yeah. it is it's, ne- it's intrinsically like you cannot do work without you just can't you have to do it. <laughs> you have to do all the work and and that's not saying like you yourself by yourself. I mean you and the and, the, and your community, whatever that means, has mm-hmm. to has to like you just have to, <laughs> because it's it's just so necessary and it's uh, you know a very very full of gratitude.
1: Is this something that um, that you know accessibility as, as intrinsic to intrinsic part of creation? Is this, is this something that you think is is becoming more and more kind of common or or known or understood by other other artists and creators in the theater scene? Is this something you're seeing more of?
0: I think once it gets on your radar once, um, it has a better chance of staying with you. I think what it feels like um, people who are advocating for more accessibility feel like they're up against is just people who've never had to think about it. Um, you know, we're right. all, everyone's dealing with so many things on a given day. You know, if it's, if it's, if you, if you're having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning, you, you're not a person who's going to be worried about, you know, uh, like the people that you don't interact with. But I think that once you have, you know, one interaction, like for me, even my uh, <laughs> like one collaboration with. Uh, these deaf artists and it's really opened up an entire new way of considering the world like like um, how does your life change if if you're unable to hear uh, that and Mm -hmm. it's I I, yeah once it's on your radar hopefully it it stays on Um, because I've noticed that for other things in the past with myself but I don't know if there's any insights that uh, more Wallace have on that
2: um, in terms of, I mean, in terms of other creators that, that are doing this work, I mean, Cahoots, uh, Cahoots Theatre is an amazing, amazing company that's doing, that's always, it's always been doing work around um, making sure that people are not othered further on whatever front that may be and whatever terms of, whatever accessibility term that may be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Death Spectrum, as, as Mo said, Clayton Brownie, his company, Ugh, Mo, remind me the name, Electric. Um... Electric Company. Yes, electric company. Um, another, you know, there's so many instances of it happening. I, uh, so I, I, I don't know. It's a tough, it's a tough question because, like, I think there's a lot of. Um, oh, there's a thought there about me trying to critique liberalism, but I, I will defer instead to Mo and, and see if she <laughs> has better thoughts because I'm just going to go off on that tangent.
3: I mean, so. I love your tangents. It's me loving you, but I mean, all of these points. Do I think that theater in this country is doing enough of the work? Hard, no. Do I think that um, a lot of artists that identify with the disability justice movement and identify with um, you know abolishing anti Black racism and the institutions that hold it? hold it high? Uh, Do I think that they are doing that work? Oh, heck yes. And I think where I, you know, me, I am indebted to learning, um, you know, learning how to ask these questions like Sean learning, you know, once it's on my radar, it's my job. It's my job to keep it on my radar. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm a big Wallace knows cause I've been like, yip Yeah. Like just, I can't stop talking about this book that I've read this year. It's called care work and it's by, um, a disability justice advocate and artist named Leah Lakshmi Piepnetsna Samara Sinha. Um, uh, if you just Google care work, you'll find it. Um, and one of the amazing things that Leah says about, about access and arts is she's like, you know, making pieces accessible it actually makes the world better for every single person it's not just making the world better for right. someone who is just someone who is who is deaf you're making space in your process for loads of folks to be able to feel like they can be honest about what they need and that kind of care work and that kind of access work like that's radical love right like that's not just you know that's not just a good thing that you can put on your grant application that is really mm-hmm. the work of being a good citizen and, and being a, a good like a, and even citizen but being a good person in relation to other people and um you know I'm indebted I, I, I've learned a lot from conversations with my dear friend and artist in Kingston Aaron Ball who also does a lot of this mm-hmm. thinking and unpacking um about how, you know, these kinds of questions and asking these questions as artists, and like Sean said, keeping this on our radar, that is an act of love. It's an act of love for yourself. It's an act of love for, for everybody. Um, And it also is like, you know, I love, I love being, and I, I can't speak for everyone's process, but as an artist, I love that moment where I feel like I don't know what to do I really love that like moment where I feel like there's an obstacle or there's a challenge or there's an mm. offering and um, one of the things that Leah says in the book, too, is she's like, you know, di- folks who are disabled or folks who are deaf have been figuring out how to collaborate to survive, who've been figuring out how to um, live live lives joyfully for a long time. So if we would just as able bodied people listen uh, or mm-hmm. make space, then, you know, we can learn so many things that will not just benefit those individuals but in in benefit everybody all at once um but i do have to say you know like sitting in my like it's not a utopia here cellar door our shows historically are not accessible i work a lot in found spaces and you know we did a show sean meldrum wrote uh new and used which was a show that we did uh, a few years ago in brian's record option that is not an accessible space we did you know, a show at the grad club, not an accessible space. And this is really kind of a, a thing that I felt like I failed at a lot as, a, as an artist that had you know, a platform to make art at. And I kind of feel like this year was this real moment for me of like, oh no, never again, you have work to do here, right? Um, but you know, it, it hasn't always been like that. And I, I'm, I'm not proud, but I'm honest to the fact that I've, I've failed that mm-hmm. a lot as a producer in the past.
1: I think that's a, that's a good perspective. You, we have to acknowledge our, our shortcomings so that we can leave opportunity for, for growth and, and understanding, right?
3: Right on the money. So,
1: yeah, I, I, I guess then this sort of also ties into, there's, there's a lot of, you know, tumultuous circumstances as there always have been, but um, these, these tumultuous circumstances that other people are experiencing are perhaps being amplified Um, by the pandemic Um, are you when you were creating talk to me um, together was this something that you wanted to to kind of respond to in particular like people's experiences you know in isolation maybe or in kind of precarious circumstances was that um, part of the the creation towards the end of of making talk
2: to me I need a second. To That's think, a big question.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that yeah. Was just sort of. Yeah, I'm asking the big, the big questions. I got too excited, guys. Um, maybe, maybe let's think of um, how has how has Talk to Me uh, how is it different um, creating it during COVID nineteen as opposed to what it could have been before. Like what what aspects of working in the pandemic helped you to grow your practice.
0: Well, you know what's something interesting that just occurred to me is that if we're going to talk about accessibility, um, we went from a walking show that may not have been as accessible and even, you know, uh, if it had sold out all of its runs, uh, it would have reached a certain right. amount of people, uh, with everything that's happening. Um, it, it's a completely different, uh, medium now, and it can, right. it, it, it's almost counterintuitive. It, it's, I would never go as far as to call it any sort of blessing, but, um, you know, in disguise or not, but we're able to reach a, a, a lot of people now. And so when we were factoring that in, when we realized that we were going to be able to, you know, the, the, the crazy thing mm-hmm. about this pandemic is that it's not just happening to one of us or two of us. It's happening. Yeah. There is not a single person in the world who is not affected And one shape or form by this and so yeah we we absolutely um factored in you know we 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 see the theater that we make the art that we make i know this is true for all of us as you know our way of responding to what's happening in the world like we were all taught at queen's drama you Mm -hmm. know if you're gonna put up a play gotta you should think about it like why are you putting this play up here why are you putting it up now uh you know we call it why here why now and um we've carried that with us as theater Creators and uh, so we, I don't know. I, I I personally feel like with the the humor of the show and and the way that we we catered uh, the different aspects of it, like we we really just wanted to spread a little bit of joy and um, uh, and I I we've we haven't really been using the word escapism, but it's it's we we would really. It goes down to what Wallace initially asked months ago which is like what's the what's the nicest sort of thing that could that could happen right now and um, I, you know I hope that for people uh, listening that um, you know if they're able to suspend their disbelief and get you know caught uh, you know swept away in the story a little bit it might uh, yeah I mean it's about two people coming together I think and uh, yeah. I don't know if that's hopeful or not but it's a it, it is.
1: I think that was yeah. I think that was right on the money as as we said before, um, and I, I guess then, you know, spreading you know little bits little bits of, of joy or you know, um, kind of this en- enthusiasm and this kind of like rawness of talk to me because it is about sex and it's about intimacy. Um, it makes for perhaps a lot of entertaining moments, you know, in in the production or in the in the actual performance of where are there any like you know absolute favorite moments that happened
2: while you were creating or performing this play back in June hey Jill can I can I can I grapple a little bit with the fr- like the initial big question that you offered us oh, earlier before go we go to this go one? ahead I, yes I love it I, it's just that's an interesting set of um <sighs> okay what I what I'm thinking a little bit about and and I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this too. You know, pandemic came about and a different kind of acute pressure happened. Like I said, like it, things have always been under pressure, but I think the the, the, the the intensity perhaps of the pressure can be changed given context. Um, so, and thinking a little bit, picking up on those moments of, of joy, um, we, for instance, were talking a lot during, during Black Lives Matter, for instance, when the protests were kind of, at a different type of height during during the summer and the, pr- and the process of this production, um, you know, there was a real question about like, <laughs> how do you deserve joy? And I'm, I'm not I'm saying I'm saying that now like explicitly, whereas before it was much more inferred. Um, so that question like, what's the best that happens? Again, I'm ta- I, I'm, I'm grappling here with what joy means, what that looks like um, and and how, and I'm thinking, you know, in many ways for me, and I'm only speaking for myself because of, because of positionality, but um, for instance, Mm -hmm. for my process doing talk to me, it's still, it's still to be honest, it still doesn't sit quite right. Like I still haven't figured out why, why to feel joy, (laughs) you know, like, how do you Mm -hmm. find how, how, what right do you have to claim to joy in these moments? Um, If ever, if ever, but you know, speaking speaking with a, a lot of my 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 friends, family, and peers who, who do work in my vein, <laughs> in my veins, literally in my veins, <laughs> are brilliant. Um, there's a there's a real call to action in a in a way with a lot of the theater um, that I'm seeing being produced at the moment, and theater of all forms, mind you, I'm not just talking about whatever. But it, it's this to throw around the word radical again, radical love, radical joy. With that comes a certain element of of violence, and I, I always. Right. I pontificate the whatever I think a lot about about the violence of talk to me in that way like not not in, in its infliction of violence and it's also absorption of violence and also you know all that all that there so I'm grappling with that mm-hmm. it's not really picking up your question in a proper way so I apologize but I did want to kind of give it a little bit of space because I think it's a good it's a good thing to make us think about so I appreciate that thank you
1: yeah, there. There's no right answer. I'm not looking for anything in particular. So I appreciate all of your ponderings that are happening, you know, live as I'm asking them. Thank you, guys. Um, would Would you like to touch on any of the any of the sort of like ideas or or questions that were just brought up, uh, Mariah?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, right? Because you know, one of the cool things about this little call is that Sean Wallace and I have been like batting around these questions for a long time. And it's really amazing. Sometimes Mm -hmm. when you invite someone new into the conversation, you realize like you gotta, gotta go all the way back to the beginning to really rethink. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm coming to a lot of these thoughts new, but super grateful Wallace that you brought that back to us. And I mean, here's my failed attempt at a segue, which is, one okay so one of the moments that has been really meaningful for me in this process was uh, there's a lot of things that i understand and hope theater can be i hope that theater can be accessible like my theater is is accessible and and you know i i really want to make theater that empowers voices other than my own and 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 make that kind of work but often like i have no idea how to actually do that so okay. I guess I wish there was a different word for joy, but one of the kind of favorite moments of this process for me has been feeling like I I am empowered by this room and these other artists to really start to understand the nuts and bolts of what we're trying to do here, right? Like, you know, early in the Mm -hmm. process, like Wallace, Wallace mentioned, you know, we were doing the show in June. June, um, the the police murder of George Floyd happened, and there was protests that erupted, and all of the arts organizations, I feel like freaking everywhere, decided we'll make a statement. Mm-hmm. And right. I remember having this kind of conversation between the three of us of like, no, no, let's sit and think about what what needs to happen let's let's take away what we think needs to happen or let's let's not look at anybody else and what they're doing um so like one of the things about talk to me is I feel like it's kind of arming you with a little bit of pleasure and pleasure in company to be able like as a white person to look at some some really problematic stuff and some really Mm -hmm. harmful stuff and I think that you know, I feel like that's kind of it's like a little bit of a, a cheap segue. I feel like, but I I I have found I don't know what the word is if it's not joy, but I have found I'm very grateful to have learned so much since June, since March, with with Sean and Wallace, um, and you know, kind of being being forced to as a, as a white person really look and really think about what I want to do and what I want to be, but also kind of being. Uh, in in good company and that, in that process, which I'm grateful for. But I mean, other joys, I guess, one of my favorite moments of this show was Mm -hmm. we had, you know, there's four colors that appear in the show. And when we did the version in June, uh, we kind of reached out to our networks a little bit, uh, thought about artists that we really wanted to work with and worked with them. Um, and this time around this, oh, this October for this show, we did auditions. And one of the most amazing things that have happened that I think has happened since we started this process was when we got this, this new batch of callers in these amazing artists, Aaron Ball, Nicholas Ramsubic, Maya Journeau, <laughs> and Kemi King are the, the callers. Um, the whole play changed. The yeah. whole play has changed. Oh. Totally different play. And I mean, it's really like talk about, you know, I feel only as interesting as the people I work with. I'm like, holy crap. Like, I feel so amazed. It's amazing to me to kind of notice all of the different ways the theater can be made and theater can be received, like depending on who's populated and what they're putting out. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I feel, I've felt a lot of, I think joy in surrendering a little bit to collaboration. And it's one of my favorite things about this process, right, is Sean as a playwright is really flexible. Sean as a playwright, I think, is really open and really imaginative to listen mm-hmm. to other kinds of possibilities. Wallace really knows how to pull magic out of people. And I think that's this kind of really ma- like really amazing alchemy because it means, like, not only is this play live because it's happening live, but it's a living document.
2: Oh, ma- Miss Mariah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: That was pretty sexy I don't I don't know about you guys but that oh, got me so fun. funny
2: so funny Mo you're speaking and I, I'm, t- I'm like I'm sorry I'm separately messaging Mo right now because sometimes I just have to because she, <laughs> she spews brilliance but I'm I'm talking I'm like this is you're talking about reciprocal gratification and then I'm like no you're talking about being a good lover and like that's what Mo really is. <laughs> and I think that's like that's such an offer to, to put out like I had not I, I'm coming to this realization, but, like, a lot of the practice and a lot of the um, uh, the process is, like, how to be a good lover. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's really, and Mo, you alchemy, please. I'll have to think more.
3: But, I mean, it's true. Like, we're doing. it so- <laughs> Jill, right now, we're in this call, it's happening. Right before this, we just had a rehearsal with Maya, who is one of the callers. And we did this exercise where we read Maya's scene like six times and every single time, Wallace was like, try something new, try something new, try something new, try something new. And it was like, oh my God, like I'm gonna pick up what she's putting down, she's gonna give me a little bit of this, I'm gonna pivot, I'm gonna touch her here and I'm gonna, you know, (laughs) here. And you're right Wallace, it is about being a good lover hot
1: Yeah, hot hot and bothered in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that I think that's that's what was intriguing for me, I think about learning more um, about talk to me is that yeah the, the live aspect, the the interaction, the kind of flexibility that that you guys are, are finding within each other that's, that's super interesting. Um, we're, we're gonna wrap up. Can um, I just have one more thing? Really, on for, yeah,
3: go for it, add it, add it. We love I it. I mean, I think the other reason I'm so thirsty for this collaboration and so thirsty for these this process and working with these two artists and the other artists we've brought on board is sometime, part of the reason that I make theater not in theaters is because I personally find theaters to be very pretentious spaces. And I can remember, Sean, you were here, you and I worked together. We went once to the Shaw Festival And I remember being like side-eyed by a bunch of old people because I had a backpack in the theater. I remember that feeling of feeling like, Oh, I'm not fancy enough. Oh, I shouldn't be here. Um, Part of the reason I like to make plays in bars is because I want people who go to bars to come see theater, right? Like I don't want to just keep preaching to the choir. I want to break down these kinds of hard institutional lines. um, And, I think that kind of like throwing to the wind or like maybe not taking ourselves so seriously or maybe unpreciousness, is really something for me that's been joyful and playful in this process. And I think it's something that I've always wanted to bring through with my work, but I'm not sure I've worked with two other artists that are as willing to play that game as, as I am. So I'm very grateful to that kind of like, oh sure let's just do it this way like oh sure how about we try it this way instead or upside down or Mm -hmm. backwards or you know i feel i feel like that kind of play is sometimes what we miss when we go see like hamlet at the stratford festival it feels impermeable it feels perfect Mm -hmm. um and i love like this kind of like DIY, playful, silly—maybe it'll fail. Kind of approach to making work. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful to both of you, Sean and Wallace, for that that sensibility. Punk theater. What theater? <laughs>
0: punk theater.
3: Punk theater. <laughs> 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 la, 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 la. It's
1: about as punk as it gets. Um, I get. I guess then for, for me, um, because yeah, you, you touched on a good point, Mariah, with. Um, not, not feeling welcome necessarily in, in, in the, the world of the theater. Um, I, I haven't seen a lot of theater in my life. I'm relatively new to being an audience member, being involved in any way. And I guess my final question then is, um, how, how, can, how can you know your run of the mill everyday uh, plebeian person who's maybe not familiar with theater, maybe is, how can we support the theater scene? Um, you know how can how can people that love the theater or are interested in the theater continue to support these beautiful things that you're making, um, either in Kingston or at large? Does
0: I'll probably have the least. I'll probably have the least amount to say here, uh, so I might. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just jump in and get it out of the way. But I just, I just sure. think, um, just you know whenever you can engage and, and, and um, there's a whole, I was going to say go and, but going has a whole new uh, set of context to it. Now uh, sure. you, you don't have to go anywhere to go to the show as much anymore, but um, yeah, I think, I think theater like all great art is a conversation. And um, uh, when it's a one-sided conversation, it's never as interesting. So I think, uh, anyone who wants to be, get more involved in, in theater can start um, by being an audience member. But I, I don't know of another industry that is more friendly towards getting involved because it's just theater is what you make it. It's what you can get away with. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I mean, for me, it was a pretty slippery slope from going to theater <laughs> to making theater. So hopefully that's the same for a lot of other people out there.
1: I love that. The slippery slope of theater Thank you so much, John. Do you do you want to add anything, Wallace or or Maria?
2: Um, Mo, do you want to do you want to go first? I'm, my my thoughts are still percolating. I'm so sorry. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, t- two thoughts are one. Okay, here it is. Controversial statement coming from old Momo. Not all <laughs> theater needs to be saved, and this is coming from me, right? Like, sure, this is my opinion. I believe in the arts, but I believe in I wrote once this piece about, I called it the green new deal, the green new deal of theater. When the, when the (laughs) theater industry crashed and everyone was like, Oh no, how will we save all these institutions? I'm like, well, a lot of these institutions have really sucked for a lot of people. (laughs) So I would kind of flip that question on its head and be like, you know how you, you know how you uh, regular not theater goer supports theater is like by making something or by, by finding a way to, to live in your own voice. I guess I feel like that kind of is floaty, but like I'm less interested sure. in saving an industry that we know um, has its problems. I'm more interested in taking this moment and looking and being like, oh, we're paused right now. Let's really take stock of what practices are harmful or, you know, I, I in some of the other conversations I had with artists during shortwave, one of the artists was telling me, she was like, this pandemic moment has really just illuminated how crappy it is to be an artist and a mother. And she mm-hmm. was like, no, I, I can't make theater because I have a toddler. And especially now I can't make theater because I have a toddler because it's a pandemic. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm less interested in supporting that relic of a system that is harmful and oppressive. I'm more interested in um, either finding ways to support individuals to experiment themselves or even to like radically reimagine, right? Like, you know, I think, I think the best way to support is also to critique in a little bit of a way because theater won't continue to exist forever under the same auspices that it has for the last hundred years because those auspices suck. So I think the best way to support theater <laughs> is to really like sit, look, notice what sucks, reinvent, reinvigorate, um, mm-hmm. and really have that critical lens because this is the moment in which we can all uh, make a sector that we're more proud of or is more supportive because um, uh, I think we have a lot of work to do.
1: Yeah, so, so more of a reinvigoration through reconstruction maybe of, of, of what we think of as theater.
3: On the, yes. Heck yes.
1: Yeah. That sounds. That sounds. That sounds like a great place to start. Uh, did you have anything that you wanted to add, Wallace?
2: I'm kind of terrified of this question, Jill. To be honest with you. Um, sure. Well, it's it's not. No, to add anything? Oh no! It's, I mean, I'd be remiss to not like kind of throw <laughs> in the two cents, of course. But uh, you know, to speak a little bit more to most point, I, personally, like my own research, I, I, <laughs> I'm trying to practice something called quotidian dramaturgy, which is, you know, it's like. Theater is every day, you know, there's like There's mm. performance of theater every day. And that sounds so like a, like a, you know, a cheap, <laughs> a cheap way to respond, but there is something about, you know, even in your question about like, how can the average person, because really what is the average person? Like what does the average person look mm. like, mm. sound like, what do they have access to? And, and, in many ways, you know, I'm jumping all over the place here, but I, I'm still quite, quite in the moment of, of defining whether or not theater is even the right word for what I like to, to engage with, or if, and if so, you know, what does it look like? And if so, you know, is it, I mean, how, I, it's a reciprocal thing, right? Like we can't just expect yeah. audience, like we just can't expect the average person, whatever that may mean to to support theater. Like there, there has to be a bit more, um, I mean, there has to be a lot more consideration I think for me, for me speaking personally on my end to be, you know, to think about why the heck am I reaching out? Like, why, 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 (laughs) why am I, why am I, who am I trying to engage? What am I trying to do? Um, I I think it's a little bit, it's tricky. That's a really great question. And I think um, I don't, I think it may be answered through process rather than through um, through whatever else the other option is, but uh, no, thank you so much. Thank you very, very much. And thank you, Mo and Sean.
0: Yeah, thanks to all of yeah.
1: you. Yeah, I, I think that for me, um, you know, knowing, knowing relatively little about Talk To Me, and um, I haven't seen it yet uh, or listened to it yet, I suppose, um, and I'm very, very excited to. So I'm, I kind of went into this blindly. I've come out of it with, you know, really nuanced um, perspective, I think, that, you know, maybe I would have achieved on my own. Maybe I didn't need to, but um, I appreciate it nonetheless. So thank you you all three of you for your time and your very thoughtful answers um and i really look forward to listening to the show
3: thank you jill thank you so much. much